The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. Good morning, Fountain of Life. It is uh, an honor and a joy to share this moment with you right now. Um, We love you. We miss you. Uh, We're so thankful for the foundation of God's Word at this time. So our text for this morning is going to be Psalm 119, verses 65 to 72, if you want to open that up. Psalm 119, verses 65 to 72. So this is a great, wonderful psalm celebrating the beauty, the authority, the majesty of God's word, and that's what we want to think on this morning. So Psalm 119. 65 to 72. This is God's word. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning uh, in many ways full of affliction. Uh, So many concerns, anxieties, burdens, um, so many needs. We come to you, Lord. We pour out our hearts to you. We ask for a new view of your sovereign reign for our good and your glory We ask for another sweet taste of the gospel and what you've done for us in your son, the Lord Jesus. And we pray that the spirit would fill us this morning, unite us together as we ponder your word even now. Um, Give us open minds to understand, open ears to hear, open hearts to believe. Lord, write your word on our hearts that we might hear you and believe you and that your word would have its intended effect upon us. We pray this for your glory. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So to be honest, and I think many of you can relate, lately I've been feeling a bit afflicted. I've been feeling uh, afflicted by the context of this COVID situation. It's feeling oppressive in some ways. I've been, a feeling, I've been afflicted by some of the political situation. There's trends in our nation I'm incredibly concerned about. In our community, we've been physically afflicted. There's ailments, surgeries, sicknesses. And God only knows the relational afflictions uh, that are happening. Conflict, disagreements. In our home, among our friends, at large. Then there's personal afflictions. I just want to ask you to consider, what's, what's your emotional life like lately? Are there anxieties there? 
anger, frustration, burdens. I think we're feeling afflicted. I bet you can relate. And that all adds up to maybe a sense of spiritual affliction. We ask, you know, is, is anything good happening at all? Is God still working? And of course, the answer is yes, he is. In fact, this text tells us he is working specifically and intentionally in and through our affliction. In fact, this is where he does some of his very best work, is in affliction. And that's what I want to see with you this morning from Psalm 119. So we're in Psalm 119. Obviously, it's long, 178 verses. But this reminds us of how it's put together. Psalm 119 is a literary work of art. It's an acrostic poem, which means uh, in its 26 stanzas of eight verses each, each line of each individual stanza begins with the same letter of the Hebrew alphabet. First stanza, each line begins with the first letter. Second stanza, each line begins with the second letter. And second letter. And so in, we see that in the way the psalmist is using words, he is celebrating exquisitely the beauty of God's word. He's using words so artistically to express uh, the magnificence of how the Bible is the word of God. This is God's word. It's the ultimate word, the sufficient word, the good word, the final word. We're going to be in the ninth stanza of this psalm this morning. We're going to be looking at verses 65 to 72. So, of course, because we're in the ninth stanza of this psalm, you know that every line begins with the ninth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, teth. Moreover, five out of these eight verses begin with the same Hebrew word. And this communicates to us what the specific section is about. So each line begins with the letter teth. Five of these lines begin with the word tov. It might be familiar to you. Do you know what that Hebrew word means, tov? It means good. It means good. Pleasant, excellent, agreeable, rich, valuable. It doesn't mean eh, it was good, like three out of five stars. No. It means it's good. Five out of five stars. Delicious, wonderful. And so now I want you to see the theme of what the author is saying. Five out of eight of these lines begin with good, good, good. And that takes us to verse 71 for context, and it really kind of blows our minds. So in Hebrew, verse 71, the first word is tov, good. But then the next phrase is good affliction was for me. Are you hearing this? The affliction, the psalmist says, was good. Now, what on earth can make affliction good? Look what he says, verse 71. It was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might, what? Learn your statutes. 
It was good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. So I want you to see there's a treasure here that is somewhat undiscovered for each of us. You realize the, the psalmist is not saying affliction was the first time I ever read the Bible. Oh, no. Oh, no. He'd read the Bible many times. He appreciated the Bible before this. But he's saying that previously he knew some of God's word, but affliction took him deeper and deeper into a knowledge of God's word. And to learn God's word like this, to deeply know it, experience it, trust it, live it, he says that is a source of such goodness that it even makes affliction worth it to get there. In fact, you will never quite taste the goodness of God's word without some affliction to push you into it. And so we see today six really good things from God's good word that he intends to work in his people through affliction. We're feeling afflicted right now. It's not because God has forgotten us and he's distant. One reason for it is that he wants to push you more deeply into his word so that you would find goodness you have never known before. So that's what we're going to see today. I want to give you six good gifts from God's word in affliction. Gifts from God's word especially meant to occur during affliction. And since this is an acrostic poem and every line of this section begins with the same letter, I'm going to try that as well. So my six points will all begin with the same letter. Now, I wasn't smart enough to make them all begin with T. So I'm going to use the letter D. Okay, are you ready? Here's my acrostic outline. Six things God gives us from his word through affliction. Number one, definition. Number two, discernment. Number three, direction. Number four, dependence. Number five, delight. And number six, all through the deliverer. So if you're keeping an outline, I, I wanna give you, these, give, give you these one more time. Definition, discernment, direction. Dependence, delight, deliverer. So let's dive in. Psalm 119.65 is our first verse, and there we find God's definition. In Hebrew, this verse reads, good, you have dealt with your servant. The first word is good. As I was pondering this verse, um, I was thinking, you know, affliction raises questions. We, we, by definition, in affliction, you're losing something that's good. And so you wonder as you lose this, as you lose that, as this hurts, you wonder, what is good anymore? Is there anything left that's good? What do I have to hope in? What makes life meaningful? Where am I going to find joy and satisfaction and all the rest my heart longs for? I mean, we need something good in an affliction. We feel like it's all gone. But God's people in affliction, they are meant to lean into his word. And as you go there looking for good, the story gets totally flipped. The story gets totally flipped. You realize the author here has experienced deep affliction and look at his conclusion in Psalm 
You have been nothing but good to me, O God. That's what he says. Nothing but good to me. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. He is saying, God, your goodness defines me. As I lean into your word, I realize eternity past, you've been nothing but good. In my, in my own past, you've been nothing but good. In my present, you are good now. And in my future, you will be only and always good. Your goodness, oh God, defines me. We've never known any goodness without our God. And in him, as his people, ultimately, we will know nothing but goodness. In fact, the psalmist says, I get to be your servant this is my definition of good, to know you, to live for you in this world. That's my definition of good. God's goodness occurs to us according to his word. His goodness happens because he has spoken it of his people, and the goodness he has spoken of in his word will certainly happen. So friends, remember, if you have repented of your sin and you trust Jesus Christ, God's goodness is the defining aspect of the story of your life. He's good to you. He's good to you. And part of his purpose in your affliction is that you would dig in to find what's truly good about your life and you'll find that ultimately it's God's Word coming to pass in your mind, in your heart, in your life. His goodness defines you. That's what we find in his word through affliction. Second word, discernment. Discernment. Verse 66. Again, it starts with the word good. Literally, it's like good taste. Teach me. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. You know, my brother-in-law has been a licensed coffee taster. So he can drink a cup of coffee and tell you all sorts of craziness about the beans and maybe where they're from or how they were roasted. I do not have discernment like him. I'm like, coffee, warm, drink. Refill, drink. But my brother-in-law, he's discerning, and every once in a while, he'll teach me a lesson. I'll say, oh, wow, that's what coffee's all about. And by the way, because he's discerning, there's some coffee he won't be drinking. <laughs> the taste, the taste for what's good, a knowledgeable taste. God, in our affliction, wants to give us greater discernment a greater taste for what pleases him according to his word. Oh, how desperately we need discernment today. A taste for what's truly right, for what's truly wise. Our world, our culture is showing itself more and more to have less and less discernment. It's calling right, wrong, wrong, right. And even when it accurately finds the wrong, it has no discernment for how to make it right. And this is because more and more we're drifting from the reality of a transcendent good God who has spoken in his word. But don't think, brothers and sisters, that just because 
you appreciate God's word that you automatically have a degree in discernment. It's easy to run around like a bull in a china shop these days. Look at the nature of how the psalmist speaks. Psalm 119.66, he says, I believe in your commandments. I love your word. But what's the nature of that first line? Does he say, I thank you that I have perfect discernment? No. What's he saying? Teach me discernment because I love your word. Teach me. Grow me in this. And so we see that God means for our affliction to show us a need for discernment where we will prayerfully study and lean into his word and grow in that kind of taste for what pleases him. This is a prayer that echoes from us in the fires of affliction. Give me discernment. This was Paul's prayer in Philippians 1. Look at what he prays for all of God's people. Philippians 1.9, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all what? Discernment, so that you may approve what's excellent, or really what's good. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and the praise of God. You see the beautiful result of discernment, true, pure love. The knowledge of Christ to the glory of God. It's good to be discerning. It leads to good. And part of what God's doing in affliction is to have you be prayerfully pressing into his word so that he can give you more and more discernment. That's his goodness to us right now. So God's goodness is our defin it defines us according to his word. It gives us discernment according to his word. Now number 3, direction. Verse 67, Psalm 119:67. The psalmist says, "Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word." The author realized that before affliction, he he had been religious. He had had an affection for God's word, but still he was wayward. He was astray. It was, a, it was like a foolishness or a naivete. It was blind spots where he did not see how, how he was ignoring the word or not fully applying or living in the word. And the only thing that could wake him up and open his eyes to his own blind spots was a good dose of affliction. Affliction. Affliction humbled him and exposed him to himself. I could not see how I was missing your word until you disciplined me in affliction for my good. And so what does God want to do for you and for me during affliction? In his goodness, he wants to expose us to ourselves according to his word. What have you seen in yourself the last couple months? Have you found irritability? Anger? Anxiety? Divisiveness? 
Or what about apathy? Are you going to be tuning in right now and you're just giving up on working for God's kingdom or growing in Christ or connecting to church? Look at your heart. Let's look at our hearts. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now look at God's point for us as we get exposed to ourselves. Let's lean into the direction of his word in new ways so that we can keep his word more fully and be more faithful even in affliction. That is God's goodness to us. Look at what Jesus prayed for all of his people, John 17, 17. What did he pray? Sanctify them in the truth. And what's the vehicle for that sanctification? Your word is truth. To be sanctified is to be transformed more and more, to be made holy, to be made like Jesus that occurs according to the direction of the word and God especially uses affliction to sanctify you according to his word. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now, more faithfully, I keep your word. Do you see how God wants to use affliction to give you direction? So, so far we've seen God uses affliction to press us into his word, to show us his goodness. It's our, it defines us. His goodness defines us. It gives definition. It gives us discernment. It gives us direction. Now we're seeing number four. It gives us dependence, new dependence. Look at verses 68 to 69. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart, I keep your precepts. We see here the nature of the author's affliction. Prideful people are lying about him, slandering him. Have you ever had that happen to you before? Um, I have. There was a season in my life where I have, and it's very painful, very painful. But it does, again, um, lean you into this question, where am I going to look for good when people are against me? Where am I going to find safety, hope? And in affliction, God's people run to God's word. And look what we find there. It's not just what we find there. It's who we find there. You are good and do good. In God's word, we find God himself. And we find the one who is ultimate goodness, beauty, Purity, generosity, graciousness, the one who gives life, the one who gives hope. You are good and you do good. This good God always is working good for his people. And so times of affliction lead us into greater dependence on the only one who is truly and sweetly, eternally good. It's our God. That's part of the fruit of that moment in my life, a greater dependence on God himself, his grace, his love. I love Psalm 62, verses 5 to 7. Listen to the psalmist's dependence on God. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. Look at verse 6. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. 
On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock. My refuge is God. He needs the praise of others less. He needs the trappings of this world less because he's found new dependence on the goodness of God according to his word. Folks, his word is the only place you will know the goodness of God. It's the only place you'll taste it specially and explicitly as God reveals himself to you. And God wants to use affliction to drive his people into further dependence on him and his goodness according to his word. Definition, discernment, direction, dependence. That takes us to number five, delight. Verses 70 to 72. Psalmist says, their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. It's good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. What you see here in these three verses is kind of a, a comparison, a contrast between two kinds of hearts and how they respond to God's word. And so in verse 70, he talks about the heart that's unfeeling like fat. Here you enjoy <laughs> Hebrew. What does it mean to have a, a fat heart? The way I'd summarize it in context is this is a heart that gluttonizes on self. It gluttonizes on self, obviously fat, eating, eating too much of something, the wrong thing. And, and then the unfeelingness, self. Remember, in context, the people giving affliction are prideful. They're insolent. They're about self. And so to have a fat heart is to be all about self-rule, self-desire, self-fulfillment. And the more your authority is self and pride, the more you're unfeeling, unsensitive to God's word. You won't listen. You won't respond. You won't hear. But there's another kind of heart. It's, it's not a fat heart. It's a muscled heart that does respond because you've found the goodness of God and his word and you're submitting to his word. And so the other kind of heart, the humble heart says, their heart's unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. I love it. I want to be submissive to your word. In fact, I love it so much, verse 71, that the affliction that drove me to it was worth it. That's how much I love your law. And here's why we love the law of God so much. Look at verse 72. What's it called? The law of your mouth. This is our doctrine of Scripture in a nutshell. The Bible is inspired by God himself. He has breathed it. He has spoken it. Yes, it was written through human authors in their context, in their, in their culture, in their place, in their time, in their situation. And God was overseeing that and writing this thing so that when we encounter the Bible, it is the law of God's mouth. And that's why we love it so much. That's how we get God himself, by submitting to this word. You can't know God and his goodness without this word. In his word, you see by grace through faith. And friends, I really think this is the issue for our time, maybe every time. Sola Scriptura. Our culture is questioning, you know, what's authority on sexuality? Truth. 
race. How do we know how to handle these things? Is there a good God who has designed us and commands us for our good? And in many ways, the world says, no, we define ourselves. We have fat hearts. But to, by grace, see that the Bible is God's word. And to submit to that leads us to his goodness, the goodness of his design, the goodness of who he is, the goodness of what he's done. And the believer says in response to that, verse 72, I would rather have your word than all the money in the world. I'd rather have your word. It's a new delight. Uh, if you're listening today, I just want to ask you, what's the difference between your formal theology on the Bible and your actual theology? Formal theology is what you'd check on a survey. You know, do you believe the Bible is the word of God? Yep. Actual theology is, would you rather have the Bible than $10 million if it was one or the other? Um... What if somehow we paid you 100 bucks an hour for reading the Bible? Would you get more study in? I'm just, I want to test our hearts here, test my own heart. The psalmist here is in love with God's word. Let's be careful that we're not in like with God's word, but in love with amusement, in love with social media. In love with the next news article? What's the nature of your study and meditation on God's word versus these other options? I'm not saying they're all bad all the time. I'm just saying, what's our treasure? God wants to use affliction to lean you into his word more and more and more so that you have a new delight in his word, which leads to a greater delight in him. This is what God is doing in our affliction. He's leaning us into his word, it defines us. He gives us discernment, direction, dependence, delight. And all of this is through the deliverer. Now you might say, hey, I've been following through Psalm 119 with you and I did not see the word deliverer in this text. And you're right, it's not in here explicitly. But in another way, it's in here everywhere. Now why can I say that? Isaiah in chapter 59 proclaims the essential essence of the importance of God's word. And the core of that message there is how a deliverer will come. Paul in Romans eleven twenty six says he has come. And do you know what his name is? Jesus. Hey, isn't another name for Jesus the word? Didn't Jesus say the entire Bible was about him, including the Psalms, including Psalm 119? This section is about Jesus. In fact, the only way you can fully unlock the glory of this passage is through the deliverer. Number one, we could start here. Uh, based on this text and how we are supposed to feel about God's law and how we should lean into it, how many of you have passed that test? You love his law the way you should? I haven't. And as we demean God's law, we demean God. Who can set us free from this? The deliverer, the one who is the word, the revelation of God, the one who kept 
the word, the one who fulfilled every promise of God's word, the one who brings us near and enables us to love and be changed by his word. Think about it. We've said that this text says God's goodness defines us. How do you know you're defined by God's goodness? Are you leaning in on your own works here? Do you deserve, are you entitled to his goodness, really? No way. I know God is always good to me and always will be good to me for one reason. Christ has made me his own. He has lived a perfect life for me and given me his righteousness. He took my sins on the cross. He rose from the dead. He reigns now for our good, interceding for us, and he's going to return for us. In Christ, God is always good to us. Amen? Moreover, where do we find our discernment? Where do we find our discernment? Colossians 2.2, Paul prays this. He prays that we would reach all the riches of full assurance and understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Discernment comes in the gospel. How how are you going to forgive those who don't deserve your forgiveness? Oh, Christ forgave me. I can forgive others. How are you going to welcome those who are different and hard for you? Oh, Christ welcomed me. I can welcome others. Why would you sacrifice your rights for one another? Oh, because Christ sacrificed for me. Why, why give to those in need? Oh, because Christ left his riches and became poor for me. Jesus gives us discernment. God is definitely good to, definitively good to us in Christ. Our discernment is found in the gospel of Christ. Moreover, Christ is our direction. What moves you to repent? To honestly confess your sins. We confess our sins because he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness through Christ and his cross. He's our direction. He leads us home. Moreover, Christ is our dependence, isn't he? In Christ alone we sing, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. And finally, Jesus is our delight. He's our delight. Jesus' own parable. There's a treasure hidden in a field. The man finds it. He digs it up. He gives everything he has to buy that field, to have that treasure. And who's the treasure? It's Jesus. Jesus fulfills this song. He is the word in the flesh. And he makes this come alive. Friends, let affliction drive you more and more to God's word. And there you will find the goodness of God in new ways. That is God's purpose for you in affliction. Through Christ, according to the word, his goodness defines you, gives you discernment, direction, dependence, and delight, all because you have the deliverer. If you're not a Christian today, I just want to invite you to Repent of your sin, your rebellion, and trust Jesus according to his word. He'll save you. Look to his life, perfection. He kept God's word. Look to his death. It was substitutionary. He died for your sins. Look to his resurrection. He was vindicated. He did it. He rose. He can save. He's the deliverer. Trust yourself to him. 
And for all of us, may we lean further into God's word in this time so that we can all say at some point, it was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Let's pray. Father, we've heard your word. We've heard it. And so we pray, Lord, in our affliction that part of what you're doing would be to drive us deeper into your word, to read it, to meditate on it, to study it, to incline ourselves to it, to hear it, to obey it. Lord, let us be defined by your goodness through Christ. God, give us discernment for these times from your word in Christ. Give us direction, Lord. Um, Forgive us of our sins. Discipline us. Bring us home according to your word in Christ. Lord God, be, our depend, be the one we depend on in these times. Your goodness, your sufficiency for us in Christ. And be our delight, Lord. Let us love your word because we love you. And it's the breath of your mouth. And we thank you in the midst of all our failures in this way. We have a deliverer. We have a deliverer. His name is Jesus. And we thank you that in his affliction, uh, we have been set free. We pray this in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.fofcrc.com.